Please stay tuned now for Talking It Through Biblically, a call-in program with Pastor Alan R. Lee. Jot down these telephone numbers to be ready to participate in this hour-long opportunity to share insightful biblical exposition, relevant church activities, and other religious events that impact our spiritual life. The numbers are 322-7846 and 326-0800. That's 322-7846 and 326-0800. Now here's Pastor Lee talking it through biblically. Good afternoon, folks. We thank you again for tuning in to Talking It Through Biblically. As usual, we want to thank you for doing so. It is so uh, much of a privilege for us to be able to minister to you in this way week after week. In fact, it is a special privilege to be able to study the Word of God together. I hope that you realize, and I'm sure you do, how very precious and significant that is to be able to study the Word of God whenever we desire to do so. And one of the emphasis I want to make again, as we usually do, but I want to do so again because I was challenged myself afresh this past week concerning the proclamation of the Word of God. The Word of God is the Word of God, not the Word of man, and should be received as such. The Bible clearly teaches us that the Word of God is inspired of God. Sometimes we make this mistake of thinking that men who wrote the Bible were inspired by God, but that's not the teaching of Scripture. The teaching of Scripture is it's that it's the Word of God that is inspired. Because the word in the original inspiration means to be the, the breathing out of God. It is the word coming from the breath of God. In fact, it is the breath of God itself. And so when the word of God is read, it is God speaking to us, not man, but God. And we need to be aware of that. So I thank God for the privilege of being able to study and to read his word in this fashion. And I trust that as we go through the word today, you will be blessed. We will be looking at uh, the meaning of salvation and is salvation a permanent thing for us? You know, there are many who teach that it is possible to become a child of God through faith in Christ and then we can lose our salvation and therefore be put out of the family of God again because of something we do. In other words, we can lose our salvation uh, because of our own sin. We're going to look at this from a biblical point of view and to see what God has to say about what is termed in the Scripture eternal salvation. But before we look at the Word of God today, and I encourage you to get your Bible, by the way, to follow along with us and as we hear God speak to us. But before we do so, we want to pray again as we normally do for those who are not well as well as for our government. And of course, we have a special need to be praying for now uh, as this um, pandemic situation concerning uh, the possibility of what is called the swine flu. Uh, it's a threat to us right now and we need to pray for God's special protection. And so I ask you, wherever you may be, in your hospital, bed, 
or perhaps you are shut in at home and not free to leave and fellowship with God's people as you desire, or a taxi cab driver, or those of you who work in the straw market or in the office or wherever you may be at this time, um, all who are listening, we want you to know that we are thinking of you as we pray. And I ask you to join with us in prayer at this time. Father, thank you for the privilege of prayer. And thank you for the fact that we have the assurance that we can come into your presence without fear. We can come with confidence. And that's because of the fact that your son, your sinless son, your perfect son, gave himself as our sacrifice on the cross, our atoning sacrifice. He shed his blood for us. And as a result, he has been able to enter into your very presence because of that shed blood. And he has opened the way and left it open for us to come after him. And you've invited us to come before the throne of grace with our needs, with our praise, with our prayers and our petitions. And so we come with confidence, confidence today, thanking you for this tremendous privilege. Of course, we thank you first of all for him, your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for your Holy Spirit who indwells us. We thank you for your word that directs us. We thank you for the fact that you have um, called out a people from the world unto yourself. And we represent you as the body of Christ here on earth through whom you do your ministry. And we thank you and praise you for the fact that we are part of that incredible body. Our Father, our thoughts and our hearts go out to those who are ill today, who are in the hospital, perhaps preparing for surgery or perhaps recuperating. And uh, there are different uh, experiences right now. Some are very painful, some are very apprehensive perhaps, and uh, some are concerned and anxious. Lord, we pray for each person now concerned of the individual as well as their family. We pray for your peace to be given to them. We pray they may experience the tranquility of mind and soul that only you can give to those who trust you, to those who depend upon you. We pray that they may experience your healing power today as well as your comforting arms around them. We ask our Father that you might um, give relief to any pain or discomfort to those who are in hospital or at home who are experiencing such today, O oh God. May they realize right now they're being prayed for and that the Spirit of God is working in their lives. Oh, Father, we pray for our shut-ins. We pray for uh, those who are facing financial problems, perhaps not because of any fault of their own. We pray that they might continue to look to you and do not give up hope or become desperate anyway, but simply that they might rest heavily upon you and draw upon the spiritual resources that you have provided for them. And we pray that you might lead them into contact with other members of the body of Christ who, who would be there to offer help and sustenance during this time. Father, we think of the um, threatening situation with the swine flu at this time. So many people are affected worldwide. We ask your care and protection upon them and that even this might be used as a means of bringing many into a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. 
But we pray for wisdom to be given to those who are in control of, uh, and responsible for providing um, medical protection uh, to us as Bahamians. We pray that we might respond to their directions. And Lord, we pray that you might hold back by your power uh, this uh, um, situation so that none of our people will in any way, uh, Father, be uh, affected where it comes to death. And we just pray, our Father, that you would work in a mighty and a powerful way, demonstrating again your love and your care for us. But our Father, as always, we pray that even as we go through difficult times and have to face difficult times, that we might always draw upon your grace to enable us to go through difficult times and even times of illness so that we can demonstrate that you are still alive in our lives and it's demonstrated by the joy we show in the midst of difficulties, of sufferings and problems. We pray for our government, those who are over us politically. Lord, we pray that again in keeping with the word of God that they who do, those who do not know you as Savior might come to place faith in Christ, the only mediator between God and man. And as a result, they will be compelled by your Holy Spirit to rule over us justly and without any kind of oppression at all. We pray that the hearts of our people might be drawn back to you. We pray that we might turn back to God and to obeying your word as we go through these difficult times in which we live. We ask your blessing upon the program today, praying that your word might go forth in a powerful way and find good soil in the hearts of those who are listening. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now, we are going to be talking about the nature of salvation, especially as to its eternality and its permanence. Because there are many who are teaching today that it's possible for a person to be a child of God today. And because of some sin that that person does, he's put out of the family of God. It's possible to be sealed with the Holy Spirit today, but because of a sin that that person commits, that seal could be taken away. It's possible, they say, for us to be forgiven of our sins, but then tomorrow, because of one sin, all those sins could be once more imputed to us again because of one sin we've committed. And there are other teachings along that line which uh, go into the direction that it's possible for a person to use a phrase that is well known to be saved today and to be lost tomorrow. Does the Bible teach that? That is what we're going to be talking about today. And we want to invite you to be a part of our conversation. If you have uh, the means of calling us, we want you to do so. The numbers are 322-7846. That's 322-7846 or 326-0800. That's 326-0800. Let me begin by just talking about salvation. What is salvation? Let me give you a brief description or definition, and then we'll build on that as we talk about the permanency of salvation. Some people call it the perseverance of the saints. Others call it eternal security. That's what we'll be talking about. I define salvation in this way. Or let me put it in these words for you. Salvation from eternal separation from God, because that's what salvation has to do with in this case. 
You see, salvation is a Greek term simply to mean to be saved from something. You can be saved from drowning. You can be saved from being caught in a house fire and so on. That's salvation as well. That's a physical salvation. But when we talk about salvation in this program today, we're talking about a spiritual salvation. And that salvation from eternal separation from God as a penalty for our sin. In other words, because of our sinful state or condition, which has a penalty of separation from God, we need to be saved. That's what we're talking about. Salvation from eternal separation from God as a penalty for our sinful state before a just and holy God, now listen to this, is a gift of God by grace through faith alone in Jesus Christ alone who died in our stead, in our place, and was raised again for our justification. That's salvation. Being saved from eternal salvation from God, which is the penalty for our sinful condition before a just and holy God. And we are saved from that separation through faith in Christ, faith alone, without works, in Christ alone, no one else, because it was he who died in our place and raised again for our justification. Now this means, friends, that if salvation is a gift from God, then that means we can do nothing to earn our salvation. We cannot work for a gift. If we work for it, it's no longer a gift. If we say that we earn salvation, then it's not the salvation that God is speaking about in his word. Salvation is a gift that cannot be worked for. It must be received as a gift. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 9 tells us this. For the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It is put in a concise form in Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9, when it says, By faith are we saved through grace, and not of ourselves. It is the gift of God, lest anyone should boast. Now, that's a clear statement. Now, I want to read it again from the text. And this time as I read it, I want you to understand that it is the word of God. It is not my word. It is not the word of any man. So right now, as I read these words to you, I want you to consider it as God speaking to you. Now, it's not because I am reading it, mind you, but it's because I am reading the Word of God. And the Word is the inspired Word of God, the breath of God, the breathing out of God. So listen now as God speaks to you directly without comment from me. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. That's God speaking, my friends.
And he says that salvation is a gift. That means we can do nothing to earn it. Good works cannot save us. Membership in the church cannot save us. Only faith in Christ alone can bring us into a right relationship with God. And let me underline something else. Faith does not save us. Faith is the means by which we lay hold of salvation. It is Jesus Christ who saves us. And so the only way of receiving salvation is by trusting Jesus Christ who died in our place on the cross. He was buried and was raised again from the dead. He paid the penalty for our sin. He took our place on Calvary's cross. The scriptures are very clear concerning this truth. And so when we believe in Jesus Christ, meaning that when we trust in his finished work as the basis for our salvation, we are saved. Saved from what? Saved from the eternal separation from a holy, unjust God. Now, Scripture tells us that when we are saved, we receive eternal life. Now, again, let me read from the Scriptures. And as I do so, remember again, this is God speaking now. Not me. Here is what God says. The testimony is this, that God has given us eternal life. This life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. My friends, that is God speaking. He says that when we have Christ, we have eternal life. Now, notice the kind of life it is that we have. We have eternal life. It is not partially eternal. It is wholly, completely, absolutely eternal. Now, what does eternal mean? It means forever. 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 Permanent. Everlasting. Always will be eternal. Eternal life. Yet there are some who say you can have eternal life today and lose it tomorrow. But how can we truly say we had eternal life if we can lose it? Eternal life is something that we hold on to eternally. In fact, we are given eternally. Now, let me show you what would have to happen if it were possible for a person who is truly saved. Now, again, I'm referring to a person who has been truly converted, born again, regenerated, not someone who simply makes a profession, because many do that. And sometimes they walk and they talk just like a genuine Christian, but they're not. But I'm talking about someone who has truly been regenerated by the Spirit of God, who has been made a child of God. 
What I'm saying to you, the scriptures, God says to us through his word that such a person can never lose that position. There are at least 34 things that happen to a person when they receive Jesus Christ as Savior. At least 34. Now, if a person is saved today and lost tomorrow, it means that these 34 events, experiences that happened when he was saved have to all be undone. Let me go through a few of them for you today. And as I said, I'm sure these are not all. But I just want you to show you how permanent salvation is for the true believer. 2 Corinthians 5 tells us that we are reconciled to God. Colossians 1.20 says the same thing as well as Romans 5.10. As an unbelieving sinner, we were enemies of God, separated from him. But when we receive him, Jesus Christ as our Savior, we are reconciled to God. In other words, we are now at peace with God. We have fellowship with God. So we have reconciliation with God. Now, we don't feel that. We don't experience, experience that in any way. But that happens nonetheless. When we receive Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, we are reconciled to God. But not only that, not only are we reconciled to God, we've been redeemed. Romans 3.24 tells us that we've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Before salvation, we were a slave to sin, condemned to the penalty of sin. But when we receive Jesus Christ as Savior and we are saved, we have been freed from the power and the penalty of sin. That's what redemption is. And that happens when we receive Jesus Christ as our Savior. We've been redeemed. Now, if it's possible for us to be lost again, then we have to be unredeemed. Not only that, when we receive Jesus Christ as Savior, we pass from death unto life. We pass from condemnation unto life. Being justified by faith, we have peace with God. We are no longer condemned. According to John 3.18, John 5.24, Romans 8.1, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And that no condemnation is passed on to us when we receive Jesus Christ as Savior. If we can lose our salvation, that has to be reversed. God has to come back to say, yeah, yesterday you were condemned, but I'm sorry, because of what you did last night, you're not condemned anymore. I'm sorry, you are condemned again. My friends, not only is that poor theology, it's irrational. Not only that, it's a time when we truly receive the grace of God. I want you to listen to this passage again. This time, it's in the book of Romans. Romans chapter 3. Now, I, again, if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to get it. Romans chapter 3, and I want you to look at Rome, verse 24. This is God speaking to us now. And it's important for us to understand that as we 
read these words at this time. Romans chapter 3, verse 24. Therefore, being justified as a gift by his grace, through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus, whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation in his blood through faith. This was to demonstrate his righteousness, because in the forbearance of God, he passed over the sins previously committed. Now notice, justified as a gift by his gift. I'm sorry, by his grace. Justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. Salvation is a moment we experience the grace of God that brings justification. The Apostle John tells us the same thing in 1 John chapter 2, verse 2. But not only that, not only have we received the grace of God, which if we can lose salvation, means that we lose the grace of God. Not only that, believe, listen to him now. We have been given every spiritual blessings in Christ. Paul tells us in Ephesians 1, 3, that God has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in Jesus Christ. If we lose our salvation, that means that God takes those blessings back. My friends, God is not an Indian giver. In fact, the writer of the Hebrews tells us that God gives perfect gift and he never, never takes them back. Not only that, when we become Christians, our old life, our old self, is dead to sin, crucified. And we have a new life given to God. Now, this is quite an important and vital and, 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 and uh, how should I say, a difficult teaching for some to grasp and to understand that our condition as a sinner under the condemnation of Adam was all done away with when we received Jesus Christ as our Savior. And in the place of that old life, that old self, God has given us a new life. In Romans chapter 6, verse 6, it says that we've been crucified with Christ. That's the old self under Adam. Tells us that we died with Christ. Tells us that we were buried with Christ. But it tells us in Romans 6, 4 and Colossians 3, 1, that we were raised to a new life in Christ. And so we were crucified with Christ. We were buried with Christ. We were raised with Christ when we received him as our Savior. All of these transactions were given to us as believers. Now, my friends, that means that if we can lose our salvation, then God says, no, I didn't crucify you with Christ. I didn't bury you with Christ. I didn't raise you with Christ. No. Because now you are a lost sinner again. My friends, not only is that poor theology, that's illogical. Not only that, Scripture says that we are free from the law of Moses, the law that condemned us because we could not obey it. The law which shows that we were sinners and we needed Christ to save us. The law was meant to lead us to Christ, not to save us. 
we were freed from that condemnation. Not again, not only that, when we received Jesus Christ as our Savior, we were regenerated, we were born again. This work of the Spirit of God along with His Word gives us new life and a new nature. Now, if it were possible for us to be saved today and lost tomorrow, that means today I have the new nature, but tomorrow I don't. Born again. Now, under this same heading, it means that we became the children of God. The Apostle John says it doesn't, we don't know what we shall be. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. He begins that whole section by saying, now we know that we are the children of God. We don't know what we're going to be like in the future, but we know that now we are the children of God. That's what being born again is all about. That's what being regenerated is all about. That's what becoming a new creation is all about. We become a child of God. Now, please listen to this very carefully, my friends. Can you imagine God taking you as his child today and because you disobey him tomorrow says that you are no longer my child and cause you to be separated from him for eternity after you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ who died in your place and was raised again for your justification? Is that rational? It certainly isn't biblical. We are adopted into the family of God and we share everything as a child of God. All that belongs to Christ belongs to us. That means if it were possible for us to lose our salvation, that today I have all that belongs to Christ, that he himself died to give me. But then because of something I do tomorrow, I lose it all. My friends, that's not only irrational. It is illogical. It is contrary to Scripture, and it certainly isn't true theologically. Not only that, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 6 tells us that we've been accepted by God. And as a result of that acceptance by God, we've been made righteous, we've been joined with Christ, and we have been perfected forever. The scriptures give us all of these things that happened to us when we received Christ. Accepted by Him, made righteous, joined with Christ, perfected forever in Christ. But yet, some say, it's possible for us to be made righteous today in the presence of God, meaning that I have a right standing before Him because of the blood of Christ, because of the sacrifice of Christ, but then because of something I do, that righteousness is taken away. I've been joined with Christ because of His death and resurrection, but because of something I do, I am ripped away from Christ. I've been perfected in Christ because of his death and resurrection. But because of something I do, these folks say, that perfection is taken away and I become imperfect again before him. My friends, let me ask you, do you think that's possible? Do you think that's biblical? 
Romans 3.24 tells us that we are justified, meaning that we declared righteous because we share the righteousness of Christ. Now, this word justification is a judicial word, a legal word. It means that the judge comes in and he makes a statement, an official statement. You are free from judgment. You are not under condemnation. And he declares us absolutely free from all punishment, from all condemnation, from all judgment, because someone else has taken the price. We've justified. Now, if it's possible for us to lose our salvation, that same judge have to come back again and say, no, sorry, I made a mistake. You're not justified anymore. My friends, is that logical? Is it biblical? I'll give you one more, and we have many more to give, but I'll give one more, then we'll have a break, and I want you to call in and talk about this if you like. We're forgiven of our sins. I want you to listen to this passage again from the Word of God. Now, this happens upon our acceptance of Jesus Christ as our personal, sa as our personal Savior. Paul is speaking to the Ephesians, and this is what he says. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. In him, that's Christ, we have redemption through his blood. Notice now, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. It's grace that motivated Christ to forgive us. But we are forgiven. The same truth is taught in Ephesians 4, verse 32, and Colossians 1, 14, Colossians 2, 13, Colossians 3, 13. Our sins have been forgiven, cleansed, washed away when we receive Jesus Christ as our Savior. Now that means that if we can lose our salvation, if we have it today, tomorrow, this God who's forgiven us in Christ comes back and says, oops, I'm sorry, all those sins you had, you got them again. No, you're not really forgiven. You're not really forgiven. That was, that was a mistake somehow. Because you're not righteous in yourself enough to deserve or to earn my forgiveness. My friends, that's not only poor theology. It is illogical and it is non-biblical. What I'm trying to get across to you, so many wonderful and spectacular and awesome things happen to us the moment we receive Jesus Christ as Savior, that for us to lose our salvation again, God will have to undo everything he's ever done for us. He'll have to undo the cross. He'll have to undo the resurrection. He'll have to undo the ascension. He'll have to undo what Jesus Christ is doing for us, interceding in heaven right now. He'll have to undo all of that for us to lose our salvation. And I want you to be reminded of this, my friends. All of these things happen the moment you and I receive Jesus Christ as Savior, if you received him. Now, these truths are revealed to us in Scripture. We don't experience in them. We don't feel them, that is. These truths, these wonderful things are given to us. They're not earned. These wonderful things are given to us permanently, not temporarily. These wonderful truths are to be enjoyed, not taken for granted or neglected, but lead us to worship, not to sin 
more just to show that we have been forgiven so we could be forgiven again. We're gonna talk about that in a moment. And so my friends, let me assure you from the word of God that if you truly receive Jesus Christ as your savior, you're saved eternally. We'll take a break, we come back and receive your calls. But listen, we are encouraging you now to give us a call. If you have any questions or discussions that you'd like to be uh, uh, involved in, comments you'd like to make concerning eternal security, and all of the wonderful blessings that God has given to us the moment we receive Jesus Christ as our Savior. I want you to call because these are precious truths and they should cause us to love our Lord more to worship him even more energetically. Now, I want to remind you again that all of these facts that we are speaking about, in, in, in fact, in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, Peter tells us that God has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Notice, he has blessed us with all things that pertain to life and godliness. Now, these things that pertain to life and godliness are what I have been talking about previously. The fact that we've been forgiven, the fact that we've been redeemed, the fact that we have been justified, the fact that we have been adopted into the family of God, the fact that we have been um, forgiven of our sins, the fact that we've been crucified with Christ, we've been buried with Christ, we've been raised with Christ, the fact that we've been made free from the condemnation of the law, that we've been born again or regenerated, that we become the children, all of the children of God, all of these are blessings that pertain to life and godliness. And they've all been imparted to us upon our receiving Jesus Christ as Savior. And so I remind you again, these truths, they are revealed in the Word of God. They're not experiences that we have, we feel, but we only know about them because God has been so gracious as to reveal them to us in His Word. These wonderful blessings are given to us, they're not earned. These wonderful blessings are permanent, not temporary, and therefore they are to be enjoyed, not to be taken for granted. It should lead us to even a greater life of dedication to serving and to pleasing our Savior, rather than to assuming that because he has forgiven us, we can go out and do what we like. No, my friends, that's not the attitude or the life of a genuine believer in Jesus Christ. Now let me give you some others of the blessings that God has given us the moment we place faith in Jesus Christ, the moment we enter into his salvation that causes us to be assured of the fact that we will not be separated from God forever. Colossians chapter 1 verse 3 tells us that we have been delivered from the kingdom of Satan. We have been translated into the kingdom of our God. 
We have been delivered from the kingdom of Satan. Let me read you again a passage from the word of God. Listen as God speaks to us concerning this truth. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 13. Again, I encourage you, if you have your Bibles, to follow along with me. This is what God says to us now. For Jesus rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Isn't that wonderful? He has rescued us, delivered us from the kingdom of darkness, the domain of darkness, the dominion of Satan, and translated us, transferred us into God's kingdom, the kingdom of his beloved son. Isn't that a wonderful transferal? And that happens the moment we receive Jesus Christ as our savior. He delivers us from the kingdom of Satan and he transfers us into the kingdom of God, the kingdom of his dear son. Not only that, Ephesians, the same passage, verse 13, tells us that we've been brought near to God and we've made a citizen of heaven. Listen to verse 19 of Colossians chapter 2, rather verse 15 of Colossians chapter, um, what is it, 1 or 2? Colossians chapter 2, verse 15. Listen to these wonderful words again from God to us today. When he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, this is Jesus Christ, he made a public display of them having triumphant, having become triumphant over them through Jesus Christ. That victory over Satan is what allowed Christ to transfer us from the kingdom of Satan into the kingdom of God. Beautiful picture, my friends. But not only that, we are now on a secure foundation. Paul tells us that our life is built on the foundation, the church is built on the foundation of Jesus Christ. We are members of the church, individuals. The church is not made of a brick and mortar or stone. It is made up of individuals. And by the way, that's a truth that seems to be forgotten today. Whenever most people speak of the church, they think of an institution, they think of a building, of, a, uh, of some sort of a lodge type of a situation. No, when the Bible talks about the church, it talks about individuals who make up the body of Christ, people. And we are on a secure foundation, and that foundation is Jesus Christ. Now, my friends, if we are grounded and founded upon Jesus Christ, who in the world can remove us from that foundation? Satan cannot do it. We cannot even do it ourselves. We are secure on the foundation of Jesus Christ. Not only that, God the Father gives us life as a gift of his Son, Jesus Christ. God the Father has given us life, an abundant life, a life that has full meaning, as it were, in our relationship with him. Not only that, Romans chapter 2 tells us that we have been delivered from the power of the, from the power of the sinful nature. We are now able to please God and to satisfy Him. 
by what we do in our lives because of the indwelling Holy Spirit. Another wonderful truth is given by Peter in 1 Peter chapter 2. It talks about our being made priests. Now listen again to this passage. I believe that it will be a blessing to you. This is 1 Peter chapter 2, and I'm going to read from verse 5. First of all, 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 5. Listen to this now. You also, as living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Did you get that? Each believer is seen by God not only as a living stone in a temple founded upon Jesus Christ, but also we are members of a holy priesthood. In other words, we are priests. What does that mean? That means that we are able to worship God. We are able to offer spiritual sacrifices to God, a holy and a just God. Why? How is that possible? Because God makes us holy priests, set apart for the purpose of worshiping Him. Listen to verse 19 of that same, that, that, that same passage, 1 Peter chapter 2. Actually, it's verse 9. Listen now. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. That means a holy nation of priests. The same way we are a royal priesthood, we are a holy nation of priests, a people for God's own possession. Why? So that you may proclaim the excellency of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's what God has done for us. And we enter into that experience the moment we receive Jesus Christ as Savior. Now notice back on verse 5, it says, As living stones we are being built up into a spiritual house for a holy priesthood. That house is a temple. Because it goes on to say, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And then in verse 9, it tells us that we are to proclaim the excellencies of Christ. That's what we are supposed to be doing as believers, offering spiritual sacrifices and proclaiming the beauty of Jesus Christ. And God has given us that privilege. God has given us that right, if you want, the moment we receive Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. We don't need to go to another person to intercede for us to Christ. We can go directly to Him. Now, I'm not saying that we don't ask people to pray for us. That's what I'm talking about. But we can do so ourselves because we are a holy priest before God. Not only that, we have direct access to God in prayer. Direct access. There's only one mediator between God and man, and that's the man Christ Jesus. And in Christ, we have direct access to Jesus Christ as our mediator. My friends, these are wonderful truths. These are truths that's very, very difficult just to, 
state and not get into because they have such great meaning and they are such a blessing to us. But what I am trying to underline for you in this talk with you today is that all of these blessings come the moment we receive Jesus Christ as our Savior. And if it were possible for us to lose our salvation, then all of these blessings have to be taken away, have to be undone. Isn't that amazing? It's like, you know, the, the little slates with the plastic that kids used to use some time ago, you write on it, and the writing goes, and you can see it, but then you don't like it, and you just raise it up again, and it goes away. That's how people think that salvation is. God writes on me today a new life, but then because of something I do, I just raise the paper as it go, as it were, and everything that God did for me is gone because of something I do. That's unrealistic. Do you believe that God, who is all-powerful, so sovereign, would allow his work to be able to be undone by us? My friends, it's unthinkable. Not only that, God tells us that we share the exceeding great blessings of his Son, Jesus Christ. We enjoy the blessings of the triune God, in fact. Let me read a passage again from Romans chapter 5, beginning at verse 9. Romans chapter 5, verse 9. Listen to this. Much more than, having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. Notice that now. Because of the exceeding great blessings of God. That's what it means here when it says that much more than having been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God. Much more. Much more. In a greater way. We will share the exceeding the great blessings of God. Paul goes on to tell us in Ephesians 4 that we become the objects of his love. Now, my friends, is it possible to be the objects of God's love as his children today based on the death, the burial, and resurrection and the ascension of Jesus Christ? And then tomorrow, God says, you're not the object of my grace. In fact, you're the object of my hate, not hate, but my rejection. Paul tells us that we are the objects of God's grace and that because of that, we have salvation. We can be sure that he will keep us. We'll be sure that he will use us for service and also that his grace will be experienced by us. That's what it means to be the objects of his grace. Grace enables us to serve him. His grace keeps us. His grace saves us. All of this has to do with being the object of God's grace. We also the objects of his power, the objects of his faithfulness, the objects of his peace, the objects of his comfort, the objects of his prayer. Do you understand that Jesus himself prays for us? The Holy Spirit prays for us also? The 
Jesus Christ prays for us in heaven. The Holy Spirit prays for us inside of us. The whole triune God is at work keeping us safe in our salvation. And yet, people say, it's possible for us to lose that salvation. My friends, are you listening? If you are, and you would like to ask questions or join in with your own comments or just become a part of that uh, discussion, we only have a few moments left. And there's so much more here that we can talk about, but uh, I would love to hear from you. So just before we close it, why don't you give us a call? And I'll continue to give you some more of the wonderful blessings that God has given us the moment we receive Jesus Christ as our Savior. And my contention, my thesis, my proposition to you today is that because God has done all of these things for us when we become children of God, it is impossible for us to lose our salvation without God losing his godness. Ephesians 1 verse 18 tells us that we become God's own possession and his inheritance. Now, think of that for a moment. We become his possession and we become a part of our inheritance. Listen to this prayer of the Apostle Paul where this is revealed to us. He says, I pray the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Did you get that? What are the riches of his inheritance in the saints? Now, you know, it's very easy for me to understand that I have Jesus Christ as my inheritance. That's wonderful to think of. And the Bible teaches that. But now the Bible is teaching us, God is saying to us, not only do we have Christ as our inheritance, but Christ has us as his inheritance. Did you get that? Christ has us as his inheritance. We belong to him. Now, if that is true, we are his inheritance today. Is it possible, is it thinkable that because I do something wrong tonight, tomorrow, I am no longer his inheritance? I don't belong to him anymore? That's nonsense, my friend. We are his, his own possession, his own inheritance. That assures us, that ensures me that I will be his forever. What a blessed truth this is. We are joint is with Christ, is of God and joint is with Christ. That's what Paul tells us in Romans chapter eight, verse 17. But then Paul tells us also that we are partners with Christ in life we are partners with Christ in service. We are workers together with God. We are ministers of the new covenant. We are ambassadors of Christ. We are living epistles. We are ministers of God. Paul tells us that we are all of these things because of our faith in Jesus Christ. And when these things are put in place, they go along with the whole plan of God. Now, for those things to be put in the plan today and taken out tomorrow, then the plan goes awry. Doesn't make sense to think that you can lose your eternal salvation. That's what eternal life is. 
eternal. The fact that it is eternal means that we can never lose it. Paul tells us in Galatians that we are members of the family and household of God. Paul tells us that we are light in the Lord. Paul tells us that we are permanently united to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. Paul says in the scriptures, in 1 Thessalonians 1, that we are in God. Ephesians 4, 6, he tells us that God is in us. In John 14, 20, he says that we are in Christ. Colossians 1, 27 says Christ is in us. We are in Christ. He is in us. We are in God, the Father. He is in us. The Spirit of God indwells us. And yet some people say we can lose all of this by something that we do. The scriptures tell us that we are a member of his body. If we lose our salvation, that means that member have to be torn away from the body. It tells us we are stones in the building, in the temple. If we lose our salvation, that stone has to be pulled out. The building will never get finished. It tells us that we are sheep in his flock. It tells us we are part of his bride. All of these blessings are ours in Christ. All of these guarantee us that we can never lose our salvation. We have been born of the Spirit. We've been baptized with the Spirit. We've been indwelled by the Spirit. We've been sealed by the Spirit. He's given us spiritual gifts. All of this is the work of the Spirit of God in our lives. And it begins the moment we receive Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. My friends, what am I saying to you? I'm saying to you that our faith in Jesus Christ brings about a relationship with the triune God that can never be severed again, either by man, the devil, or ourselves. In fact, I would even go so far to say that even God, because once he has done that work in us, it is forever. It can never be undone again. And so I ask you, are you enjoying this salvation? Have you placed your faith in Jesus Christ? If you have, you can rest assured that your salvation is eternally secure because you have eternal life. The Bible tells us that this eternal life is in the Son, and he who has the Son has life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. Are you enjoying this eternal life? I trust that you are. If you are not, why not receive Jesus Christ as your Savior right now? As always, this is Pastor Lee saying, Sila, think and act on these things.